episode number 12 with the YouTube musical sensation, Alex Day. Welcome to the School of Greatness. Each week, we bring you the most inspiring business minds, world-class athletes, and influential celebrities on the planet to find out what makes great people great. My name is Lewis Howes, and I'm an author, lifestyle entrepreneur, and former pro athlete, and I'm on a mission to find out how we can all achieve a higher performance in life. Please leave us your comments on iTunes and join us online at schoolofgreatness.com to be notified of each episode when it comes out. Now let's get after it. Hey, 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 what's up, greats? I hope you are having a fantastic day today. And our next guest is Alex Day. Speaking of days, he's a very creative uh, young musician. He's actually the first musician we've had on School of Greatness, so I'm excited to share his wisdom and information with you. Uh, before I actually talk about some of the cool things he's done, I uh, want to just check in with you guys. I appreciate so much all the positive comments you guys are leaving over on iTunes and on the site, on all the different posts. We've had uh, you know some amazing guests on here, so if you have any requests for guests, or any type of people, any other people that were athletes or business people or musicians or anyone at all, feel free to uh, leave a comment on the blog at schoolofgreatness.com or you can head over to my Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash Lewis Howes and just say, hey, I want you to have this guest on or hey, bring this person on. Just leave some thoughts or you can also always chat with me on Twitter at Lewis Howes, which many of you have been tweeting the episodes and uh, saying some cool things to me. So it's been fun to interact with you guys there. So please keep the interaction coming. I want to do a quick shout out to our sponsor, which is onnit.com. That's O-N-N-I-T.com. And I just did another interview with another friend of mine, Lissa Rankin, who is a medical doctor who had some severe illnesses and learned how to heal herself through the power of her mind. Now, I know that sounds a little crazy, but we'll get into that next week uh, as it's the next episode. Alex Day is a young gun from the UK, currently living in London. And he had he's, he's best known for a song that he uh, wrote and produced called Forever Yours back in 2011. And he made it to the number four on the charts in the UK singles after selling 50,000 copies. And he's going to talk about his experience. Now, he's an unsigned artist, and he sold 50,000 copies in one week of this song. And he did some amazing things over the last few years, building up a great audience on YouTube, currently almost 700,000 subscribers. But he's going to share with you some great ideas on how he built this audience, how he's leveraged it to build his own businesses all through the power of YouTube and growing an audience online. So with that, I'm excited to introduce to you Alex Day, who's going to share with you some of his latest ideas on disrupting the music industry and doing his own thing online. So with that, I hope you guys enjoy this interview. Remember the time when we stole the whole day and nobody knows it, we took it away. Hey, how's it going, Alex? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Now... I am doing great, and I got introduced to you through our mutual friend of ours, Ryan Holiday, 
And I never actually heard about you until he sent me an email uh, with a link to, I think, a TechCrunch article or some type of Forbes article or something about you. And was immediately intrigued. One, because you've used the power of the internet to kind of blow up your brand and you know, create this amazing audience to take action on things that you want them to do with your music. And also, uh, you've built a, a business for yourself with through music. And my brother is actually a, a famous jazz violinist. He's the number one jazz violinist in the world. So he tours all over the place. And I've seen him hustle as a musician for, you know, 20 years or something. So I know how hard it is for musicians to actually make it. And you've done it pretty interestingly in a short amount of time at a young age through YouTube. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah, basically. Yeah. Now you started, when did you start making videos on YouTube back in 2006, right? Yeah. August 2006. August 2006. And what was your original goal? Oh, I was bored. I was in college and I was 17 <laughs> and, um, my dad does freelance video editing. So I learned from him. Like I used to make little videos on my Mac at home and, um, I shot with my friends and family and stuff, and they were like little comedy videos and things, and they liked them, but I wanted feedback that I knew I could trust. So, um, so I put it on the internet where the feedback is very honest. Right. Um, and fortunately enough, people like them there as well. So I just, yes, yeah, slowly started building up an audience there. But yeah, really, it was just, I want to make something, so I make it, and, and that was the outlet for it. Right. Now, I'm assuming it started off pretty slow for the first 20 or so videos, and then it started to grow. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, I can't remember in terms of videos. I mean, it, it, um, there was, I was regular, I was on about 400 subscribers for a long time. I remember when I hit a thousand, that was, it took about a year for me to hit a thousand. Wow. That was really yeah. And now you have 673,000. It looks like, right? The, uh, how many is it now? It's, um, I can tell you, um, yeah, six hundred seventy-three thousand. Yeah, I should have trusted you. Yeah. So, <laughs> I've got your profile up right here. I'm checking it out. So, okay, yeah. so you got so it took you a year to get a thousand. You're hovering at four hundred for a while, and then when was like the breakthrough of the exponential growth? When did it hit ten thousand, a hundred thousand? Did it all kind of happen at the same time? What was that like? Yeah, there were um, there were little spikes. So when I when I had four thousand, I did this thing called the vlog tag game, which is where you uh, say five facts about yourself and then tag like so just say five other YouTubers um, and then they have to do the video as well and then they tag five people and so on and in, in about two weeks it went all around all of YouTube which obviously the YouTube community was much smaller at the time it was 2008 and um, in about two weeks I went from 4,000 to nearly 10,000 because everyone who made a video said this is Alex's tag game you know so everyone right. was kind of click like, following the chain and going back Right. Um, so that, that was a big spike in 20, uh, 2009, um, I started reading twilight on my channel chapter by chapter, wow. um, making little kind of commentary videos about each chapter of twilight because I thought that would be fun. And that's, so that ended up as a, as a whole series of about 20 videos that took about a year and a half to finish. Um, and that got a lot of traffic and attention and things. Um, and then the biggest spike was in December, 2011, when my first, single um charted in the uk now i want to get to this single in a second because this is uh, the interesting story i want to talk about sure. but but you said in a, a, a ted talk that you gave a tedx talk that the death of steve jobs was the beginning of something new for you and can you talk about what that was 
Yeah, um, well, it was just, uh, as I said, you know, when I started making videos, it was just I wanted to make videos. So I wasn't thinking of where it was going or I just thought, oh, I have an idea for a video, I'm going to make it. And same with songs. I would write a song, be like, this, this is a song I've written. And it was all kind of aimless, I guess. And, and um, <laughs> realizing, yeah, once, once Steve Jobs died, I, I sort of, it's like, snapped me into gear that, you know, I'm kind of drifting, doing all these different things and getting by and it's fun and stuff, but I want to really focus on one thing and be amazing at it. Mm. And so the thing that I knew made me happiest was, was making music. Um, right. So I decided that, yeah, it kind of gave me something to focus on. But you didn't know, you've never, never really recorded a song. You didn't know about production, you know, about you didn't know about any of that, did you? Well, I've, I really, so I released, I released two albums by that point. Okay. Um, but I never, I, I didn't produce those songs myself. So I'd just gotcha. be in the studio having them kind of done for me um, with a friend of mine who is also a music producer. So he just did it for me. Um, but I, like I write all the songs and everything. And yeah, without him, I didn't really know if I could do it. And mm. so first I started looking for other producers but that didn't really work. And, and then finally I thought, I kind of don't, don't want to just keep stalling and, and never have these songs made. So I'm just going to try it myself and, it's just a lesson learned if, if you know, the studio ends up being one time. Um, but I kind of took it one step at a time and it was okay. You know, I got better at it. Now, this was when you produced the song for the Christmas special, right? Yeah. Well, uh, Forever Yours was the third song I'd ever produced okay. uh, myself. And I just, yeah, I just really liked it. I liked it a lot more than the other songs that, that I'd turned out. And the Christmas number one is like quite a big deal in the UK. So... It was just a, a fun goal to try and to try and aim for. So uh -huh. I'm just gonna aim as high as I can, you know, try and be the top selling single the week of Christmas. So now tell me what this this whole charts thing is for Christmas, the number one thing. Now is it like uh, everyone because there's whole odds to this or something? Like you can place bets on this. Or how does this really work? Yeah, it's just um, so you know, uh, like the, uh, as with any music chart, people just buy songs and whatever song sells the most is the number one. Um, but at Christmas, there's whatever song is number one on Christmas Day is the rule, and it, that becomes the Christmas number one. Mm. And that I don't know how that happened, but culturally, it just sort of is quite important um, to to us. So yeah, they <laughs> like bookies will take bets um, on who you think the Christmas number one is going to be, and different artists will. Well, it used to be the case that kind of big artists would all release songs the same week, and they'd all kind of compete, and it would be this big you know, does your favorite band get number one or is it this other band? And it used to be really exciting. And now it's not so much with the internet and, and reality shows kind of releasing songs <laughs> around Christmas. And it's just, it it doesn't have that same, yeah, excitement, attraction to it. Gotcha. So I was hoping to kind of bring a bit of that back. Gotcha. Now what, now you hit the number one, right? Uh, I got to number four. Number four. Okay. But you beat out Justin Timberlake. That's the big thing, right? Uh, the, uh, I beat, well, <laughs> uh, I released an album uh, two weeks ago, March 17th, uh -huh. and it got to number eight on iTunes gotcha. when Justin Timberlake was number nine. So I very proudly screenshotted it. And <laughs> that, that's what I saw. But the Christmas oh. special was something different. You came in at number four, uh, but you said you beat out, I think you said, um, who were some of the big names you beat out then? Um, well, it was, I mean, Coldplay was number five. Coldplay. Uh, and like Adele, One Direction were all, like it was really weird because there was there was the X Factor uh, winners single, yep. which was number two. Um, there was the the big songs championed by Radio One and Radio Two, which is a big radio stations in this country. Um, 
and then there was me and then there was everything else so so it was very strange yeah wow now now what did that feel like when you were i guess top five during christmas yeah uh, incredible i mean um christmas day was the day we found out um i think we like my family because i was around um and so we were listening to the radio and stuff and we found out the same time as everybody else and i yeah i didn't know how the sales had gone or anything so uh it was amazing. And I think so much better because I knew I had got myself there. Like I can't imagine Coldplay all sitting around the radio going, yeah, we're number five. Like, <laughs> didn't have that same meaning to They're them. They're probably thinking, who's this Alex Day kid who beat us out? <laughs> <laughs> I, doubt, I doubt they cared. I probably, they probably got like a phone call from their manager like the day before, just being like, you're number five. And they're like, yeah, good. Or, right. you know, whatever. They were number one the following week. So they were. They, they ended up happy. They got their moment too. Right. Now, how many... <laughs> how many how does this work? Is it a matter of paid downloads on iTunes or is this like um, plays on the radio or how does it uh, work for the rankings? It's, um, it is just, it is just paid because I know in the U S the billboard, um, includes airplay. Right. As well as, and I believe YouTube streams now as well as sales. But, um, but yeah, in the UK it's just sales. And I found a loophole in the charts, which helped, which was that, um, if you release a remix of your song, um, so if someone bought the song and they bought the remix, it just counts for the chart twice. Effectively, it's like they're buying the same song twice. Um, oh. So you can release as many remixes as you want. So on the day my song came out, I, it came out eleven times with like various different versions. So anyone who really wanted to support me by buying the song eleven times could do that. Um, but it also wouldn't be a waste of money for them because I was making there was different. you know a different version every time. Right. That's interesting. So, did had anyone else done that before, where they created multiple, like two or three tracks? I've never seen that before, and I haven't seen it since, which I find weird because it's still it's still a rule that you can just exploit if you want to. Interesting. Um, yeah, I but think that's really a, I think that's a smart way to kind of bend the rules and and make things happen to achieve the goal you want to achieve. So, kudos to you on that. Thanks. Yeah, I was just I was just looking for any way I could have an edge, really, by doing something that other people weren't doing. So I just mined the the chart rules PDF trying to look for little things like that. So yeah. Now did someone give you that suggestion or are you just researching and saying, Oh, this might be kind of cool to try this out. Yeah. No, if you go to official charts, uh, UK website, then there's, you can download the chart rules as a PDF file. And I just read it and <laughs> just trying to look for gotcha. anything that would help. And yeah, when I read that, I, and I phoned up the charts people as well and confirmed it because it seemed like it was almost too good to be true, but yeah, it, that's it was, crazy. So how many downloads in that week did you, did you have? It was a hundred thousand around the world. Wow! Um, it, <laughs> now that's purchases. Uh, yes. Wow, yeah. and that's all ninety-nine cents, or how does that work? Uh, yeah, nine, yeah, and wow. then um, fifty, fifty-three thousand of that was in the UK. Wow, um, and it was it was around the world, and and half of those sales were remixes. Wow. Half of the 50, remixes. So if you wouldn't have done the other additional ten tracks or whatever, then you wouldn't have made it. Yeah, no, it literally doubled, doubled the sales in the UK. Amazing. Now, how much work did it take you to do in order to create those extra tracks? Um, the, the whole thing was like the most work I've ever put in. <laughs> like, it, and it, like, it felt really awful for most of it because I was, I, I'd spend every day, you know, writing to radio stations, um, sending letters, sending CDs, get, trying to get people on Twitter to request the song. Um, writing letters to journalists, emails to journalists, just any anything that I could think of to just get the song out there, and I had like no replies at all. Mm. Uh, and every time I saw a story about the contenders for Christmas number one, I'd always, you know, 
follow up with the person who wrote it and say, oh, by the way, I'm also doing the thing. Um, and, and it got to, yeah, the day before the song came out and I thought, I don't know how this is going to do. I don't, it might not even get the top 100, you know, and it's, it could be just awful. Um, and so it was, it was such a relief when it worked. And then suddenly when it got to number four on, on iTunes, suddenly everyone messaged me back and said, <laughs> amazing. Um, so yeah, that was great. But it's, it's so hard to do. Like it, it's hard for me to say, you know, if you want to do this too, you can, because it's really hard. Like it, it, you have to be prepared to have it not work out and still go for it anyway, which is it, like, it's hard to put that much energy into something that you, you're not sure if it's just going to be a waste of time. Right. Um, yeah, you have to be pretty committed. But yeah, the remixes themselves, um, some of them I did myself. So I book a day in the studio to do them. Um, some of the others I got friends of mine to create alternate versions and remixes so I could kind of showcase them as musicians as well. Now, you wouldn't have been able to do that without your YouTube audience, am I correct? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I so, don't do gigs or anything. Like, all of my audience is from YouTube. All from YouTube. So, I mean, but selling, what did you say, 100,000 downloads, right? There's no yeah. way. You, that's basically from the music video and the audience that you built up over the last few years, since 2006 through 2011. That's how you sold 100,000 downloads, right? Yeah. From the community. Now, I think you mentioned in the interview somewhere that uh, you never saw your fan base as fans, but instead realized you were all just bored kids. And you mentioned that earlier. So what does that exactly mean? And, and if the, everyone's all just bored kids buying your, your music, should we all be trying to find an audience of bored kids? Or, or what do you think? Well, I don't know. Like, I mean, I think they're bored in the sense that I don't ever want to take them for granted like mm. i don't feel like you know they're super super passionate and i can ask them to do anything and they'll do it because like they're not sheep you know right. so it's it's easy for people to to forget that about the internet like i've had radio stations where um loads and loads of people on twitter will be requesting the song or making a real noise about it and and then the next day i kind of try and email the person and say oh how did you get a did you get a good reaction and they're like oh well you know it was busy on twitter like they're, like, like they're not real people, like it doesn't count. And they're still, you know, that's just how they're getting in touch. Um, so I think they, yeah, I don't want to take them for granted, but I do think there's, it, it's easy to write off people online as just being like, oh, they're just bored kids on the internet and therefore right. their opinion doesn't count. Like, you know, you can convince people to click a button, but it doesn't mean they actually would go into a, a record shop and buy your CD. And might that like that could be the case, but I just don't like that assumption. Right, right. Now I want to know how you explain uh, your massive reach. Now there's, I don't even know how many people are actually on YouTube. I'm assuming well over a hundred million, but uh, who knows? It but, might be billions. I think I, I don't know in terms of people who have signed up with an account. You yeah. Mean? Yeah, I have no idea. It must be at least hundred million. It's yeah. got to be a hundred or two hundred million who've signed up for an account. And I would say, I'm assuming that was almost 700,000 subscribers that you were probably in the top 1% or, you know, quarter percent for uh, most subscribed YouTube accounts. Now, what is it about you specifically or your music that makes people connect with you and makes them want to subscribe and be an avid follower? I don't know. I, um, <laughs> I, I often wonder this myself because... I've always sustained, well, you know, I've, as I say, I never got into it with any objective. Mm. Um, I said that I just wanted to make things. And so 
some like there was a lot of different things that I do. Like so, this Twilight series that I did, um, some people I get a lot of influx of new people that just wanted more of that. They wanted mm. me to read Twilight, and then once I was done, they wanted me to read New Moon, and that was like that was my channel. That's what they cared about: is read all the books, right? And make and it's gonna be amazing. And anything else I talked about, they then care. And then there were some people that had been watching me for years that didn't really like the Twilight thing, and. So then whenever a new video of those come up, it's like, oh, come on, do something else. So <laughs> it's a hard kind of balance. And similarly, there's people that subscribe to me because they like my music. There's people that subscribe don't like my music, but they still just watch anyway um, because they like other things I do. So I've always just tried to it's, – it's just kind of a hub of things that I am interested in or that I want to share. And, it, I, I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't stuck to any rules of these are my demographics and this is what I should stick to. and. Sure. I so I don't really know why that many people follow me. I think I just got lucky. I think it's when when I first started on YouTube, the front page of YouTube was just a playlist. Right. And the same, no matter what country you were in, whether you were signed in or not, it was just one playlist. And there was five or six videos on it. So every day they would put a new video on the top and the one at the bottom would get bumped off. And I'm lucky in that a couple of times while that was the case i've got uh, they selected one of my videos or a couple of my videos to put on those those playlists so um so i'd suddenly get you know the next day i'd go to work and my workmate would say i went on youtube last night and you were there (laughs) (laughs) which is weird um and also you know i started making youtube videos at the same time as a lot of other people some of whom are now much bigger and have a bigger audience than me but because we knew each other we helped each other out on the way up i suppose right right yeah, I think it's, it really comes down to the same as anything in that it was kind of a combination of luck and knowing good people, but also I like to think that it wouldn't have worked out if I wasn't at least making kind of good stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I think luck is like, you know, having the foresight to have good timing to jump onto something when it's new and you can see that it's going to grow. I think building relationships is always the strongest factor in, in success for anything. And you did that as well. And then also, I think you're not giving yourself enough credit, but consistency over four or five years is really what helps people take off in anything. And it sounds like you were consistent with, you've created over a hundred something videos and uh, you gave people interesting, unique content, which what they wanted. So I think you've done an amazing job. Should give yourself give yourself a little more credit, my man. I know I know British people don't like to play it down a little bit, but <laughs> we Americans like to brag a little bit. So I'm going to brag for but, you. Yeah, I guess the same. I mean, I yeah, I have made a video once a week, but it never felt like each video was its own reward, right? So right, it was like oh, I have an idea for a video. Let's make it, and so I made it, and then that was like cool. That's done now. And then next week, it'd be like oh, another video, you know. So I, I uh, if someone had said to me sustain a YouTube channel for five years, then that would have been a really daunting task. It's like that. It's just a little milestone. Right, right. Now, so tell me what's like, do you have a, is this full time for you or do you still work another job? No, I just do this. I I earn more money from music sales than I do from YouTube uh, AdSense, but it's, it's enough to live on. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you're now a full time musician, but you don't play any concerts, right? Yeah. Have yeah. has your audience requested, you know, you play a gig or or do like a small tour? Yeah, I think they'd like that. I mean, it's it's the whole thing of um if you if you you have a relationship which is primarily online with a, a creator or whoever you like on the internet, um making that experience physical is always very meaningful, I think. Mm. So, anytime that there's um 
like a convention or any any time where you can kind of meet one of those people in real life, it's it's always exciting and it makes it feel more tangible and validated. So right. yeah, I think I think there would be a, a demand for that. It's not really because of that that I don't do it. It's more um, the joy that I get in making music is in in the making of it. Like I like being in the studio and right. the instruments in and seeing it kind of come. Like so, I have a new song that I wrote last week and. Um, and right now, like I've immediately booked the studio, so next week I'm going to the studio to record it. And mostly, the reason I want to record it is because every time I want to listen to this new song I've written, I have to make it exist. And like I want to mm. just be able to hit play, just listen to it, just enjoy it like a song without having to also create it every single time. Right. So if I can kind of make it really cool in the studio, make it exactly how I want it to be, I don't even, I don't know, I don't have a plan to be like, then I'll release it or I'll make a video. I'm just the, in the short term, it's just I want this song. You just want to have it. Yeah, I just want to have it. So you don't have so, to play yourself every time. Yeah. So right. I don't, and then afterwards, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, this is really cool. I should share this, or I should make it, <laughs> whatever. But with with playing live, I don't I don't have the drive to to perform my music for people. I'd rather than just listen to the music or watch the videos because that's how I'm choosing to showcase my my music. Sure. Now with with um, the music industry, basically going in a million different directions. You've got Pandora, you've got Spotify, you've got iTunes, you've got all these different things happening. A lot of people are coming out. You're seeing successful artists without record labels. Um, someone came out recently and hit number one. I forget the guy, but it's a really catchy song. And yeah. he doesn't have a record label. Do you Macklemore? know? Yeah, Macklemore or whatever. Yeah. And so what is what is keeping you from, do you, do you, are you getting offers from record labels? Do you plan to work with one in the future if they give you the right amount? Or do you see yourself basically leading the trend of you've already got the audience, you can create whatever you want and sell it and make a great living doing it yourself that you don't need the label? I've, um, I've always been open to label discussions. I've, yeah, I, when, when people say, you know, he's an independent musician or whatever, it's, it, I'm not sort of flying that flag. It's just that I'm doing it the only way I know how to. Right. At the moment, that's on my own. Um, not that yeah, there's any problem with that either. But, um, yeah, I've always, I've always been open to record-level discussions, but I've always also been honest about saying, you know, like, so I had some meetings after Forever Yours happened, and with each one, I kind of said, so, you know, what is it that you can offer me? Not right. trying to be, but just asking. Um and that's, I learned a question that record labels are not prepared for because mm. they tend to, they, I think they, they have this, there's this expectation that if you're being called in for a record label meeting, it's like you're about to make it. And there's this, they, they don't have to explain themselves. You know, they, you have to impress them and not the other way around. So right. from saying, well, you know, I've done this much on my own. So theoretically, I could keep doing this on my own. That would be hard, but. I'm also willing to give that a go, but what can you do that would help me instead? Um, and yeah, they, they didn't really have an answer to that. They, they sort of would say very vague things like we can take your music to the next level or, you know, things like that. And, um, yeah, it never, we never really got anywhere. <laughs> so, uh, so wow. I just kept, as I, as I was. Interesting. Now what, um, do you have a whole marketing team behind your, your music or is it pretty much all just you right now and your buddies when you're creating videos and you're in the studio and kind of just doing it on your own? Yeah, no, I don't have a manager. I don't have an agent. Um, I don't have a radio plugger or anything like that. I basically, uh, yeah, I go into the studio and record. Like usually I write my own songs. There's been a couple of times where I've done covers or whatever, but in general I write my songs. Um, I'll produce them in the studio, play every instrument, usually through like keyboard synths or, or other things. Um, 
and then it gets put online through TuneCore, submits to iTunes. Um, the music video I pay for myself, and I have a friend who's a cameraman who I hire to make it look good, and, and another friend who's good at special effects who I'll sometimes get in if I, if I need him to. Most, pretty much all the people in my music videos are um, friends of mine that give up their time in most right. cases for free. Um, they, because I've, in, mo- in a lot of cases, I've met them through them making YouTube videos and me making YouTube videos and having mutual, you know, having right. in common. So, um, so yeah, it's funny because I'll, I'll see articles where, you know, they're like, Alex, they made a, a music video starring loads of YouTube stars. <laughs> I, I think of it like that. I just think I just got my friends in my video because they were up for it. Um, but they, I guess they also do happen to have their own followings. Which helps uh, you get more subscribers and views as well when they share it. So it's all good. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Now tell me, there's a lot of struggling artists, musicians, entrepreneurs, just in general out there. But let's talk about musicians because that's what you know the best. What, um, what type of advice would you give to maybe a singer-songwriter or just a, an instrument player who's trying to build their own business, they've got their own songs, and they're trying to really build an audience and get it out there. What are some tips or advice that you would give for that type of person? Maybe they're struggling, they've been working really hard for a few years, don't see a lot of traction, maybe just a little bit of wins here and there, but are really hustling. What should they be doing? Should they be trying to position themselves to get a label and go that route? Should they be focusing on creating content and building a following online? What do you think? Um, it's hard because I think my situation is is quite like I don't know how anyone would emulate it mm. <laughs> because I just happened to have sort of fell into it. I guess like I wasn't trying to follow a system when I did it. So right. if someone sort of did all the same things, I don't. I don't really know how well that would go. I definitely would, would say don't aim for a label, um, but you know, try and build up your own, your own fan base and stuff. Cause that's, I mean, I don't really call my audience fans cause it just sounds like, I don't, I don't like making the assumption that they like me. Is that weird? I, I sort of feel like <laughs> they like, follow always, you. I always refer to them as, yeah, my audience or my subscribers. Or my right. Viewers. Right. I, I can understand people that would just watch my videos and be like, oh, he's cool, but they wouldn't describe themselves as like a fan of me and I don't want to like put that on them. But, um, but I guess fan base is the most appropriate word for this, so we'll use it. Um, yeah, like building up uh, a fan base for your music, I think, is the best thing. And, it, and also, like I know people that are, that are, I've seen people that are independent musicians and they're struggling and it annoys them that I kind of claim that I'm an independent musician and like I'm doing it all myself and all this stuff when they're like, well, you've got this massive YouTube audience. So, you know, we can't just replicate that because you, you have these benefits that, other, that you don't, that other people can't just get. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I guess like, it, I mean, it's, it's overlooking the sort of seven years it took to get me to that point. <laughs> right. I guess to get to professionals. Um, yeah. So when I say, you know, all you have to do is just, you can be independent and you can release music yourself and spend five years developing an audience first. Um, it it's hard but uh, <laughs> the biggest thing okay there's two things so i don't think that you should focus on an hour i think you should just focus on on one song and i think first of all from a cost perspective it's easier to record one song than it is to record 10 right so you save money that way and then it in at least for me it helps me focus on the quality of my music so much more like there, there are definitely songs that i've written and i'll be like hey, yeah these are okay I'd, i wouldn't mind hearing this i could put it on an album mm. but you suddenly think of it as, okay, would I be happy 
for this to be the only song I release for the next you know, a few months, would I be happy to make a music video for it, make a big deal about it, send it to every radio station in the country? Suddenly it's like, oh, actually, no. And it makes you work <laughs> harder on the songwriting, I think. So um, you, so you, so you think release each, don't worry about the whole album, but release each song as if it's the album itself, as it's the only piece, it's a standalone. Yeah, and it feels, like, I think it feels, it makes the songs better, I think. Right. So you feel more satisfied that you're making good stuff. It it kind of gives each thing that you make its own chance to shine, which is kind of nice. Mm. And I also think it's better for the audience because if they're waiting like two years or something, you right. release an album and you, you know, you don't have anything. Whereas if you, if you took the same songs that would end up on that album and release them every three, four months, then it just doesn't feel like as much of a wait. You know, people can stay interested in, in what you're doing. So that would be the first thing I'd say is just, just don't worry about an album until you've got, just get one song that you're happy with and then keep going from there. Um, and the other thing is, yeah, if, to not do it unless you really enjoy it. Like, there's a lot of people on YouTube that will do it because they just want to be famous or they want to try and get something out of it. And the internet's very good at spotting cynical. You know, they they, they can. It has to be pure. Like, it has to be authentic. Right. Um, it's very strange how how well online audiences are at detecting if if something doesn't feel legit and if they're trying to get something out of you. So, you know, people are going to respond if you're genuinely enjoying it and and they make YouTube videos because you want to get into making YouTube videos and let it be its own reward and don't try and do it as a means to an end. I suppose. Mm, mm, interesting. So what's inspiring you every day right now to keep doing what you're doing and what's kind of like the goal for you over the next few years? Oh man. Uh, it's, <laughs> I always say about this, like with regular jobs, if there's a sudden change, um, say you work in IT and, and then they say, oh, we're changing the operating system in six months time. We're going to give you training. We're going to you know, roll this stuff out and you'll get time to get used to it or whatever. On YouTube, that doesn't happen. On YouTube, you just wake up one morning and they go, 16.9, now you have to relearn how to make videos. And, <laughs> or like, it's in HD now, so right. just deal with it. <laughs> so, They're always changing something, right? Yeah, so in order to figure out what... I would want in three years' time. I feel like I have to predict what the internet would look like in three years. It's so hard to do. And you imagine what the internet was like kind of in three years ago. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, so it's really hard to say. But um, I'm, I'm trying to just take it, you know, one step at a time. Like I'm recording this new song. And uh, yeah, I just, I mean, the, the thing that I guess keeps me going is just knowing that I wouldn't be able to do anything else. I There's, there's obviously times where, you know, it gets really hard or if you release a song that someone doesn't they don't like as much as the last song you released and they're like oh you know go back to your old style or whatever like you always get kind of those kind of people and sometimes it can it can suck and you feel like oh maybe i should just you know or, or you send out your hundredth email to to uh, someone that doesn't reply that day or like a radio dj and and you just feel like oh, what's the point of this um but i know that not doing it would just would just feel worse mm. you know the i have to keep doing it just because i have to. <laughs> right. It was like things. Just like, well, I just, I just make music. That's what happens. Right. Now, when did you know that you were onto something big? Because obviously, it was a few years of you with, a, you know, just a few thousand subscribers. Probably no one was listening to your music except for your, you know, your mom, your family, and your friends. When did you realize that? Wow, people actually enjoy my music, and they're willing to pay for it. And this could be, you know, amazing career for me. I may never have to get another job. I could just do this. Um, well, I moved out of my mum's 
house uh, March 2010. And I... Um, at that point had released both, oh no, my first album came out October 2009. Um, and that was about half of the money that I made a a month. And and then the other half came from YouTube revenue. Hmm. So combined, it was enough for me to, yeah, to move out, pay rent. Um, so I guess, I guess that was the, the, the moment that I was kind of like, I can actually, cause I never, I didn't pay rent when I was living with my mum. Um, but yeah, that was that was kind of the, the freedom moment, I guess. And then wow. the next realization after that was with Forever Yours, kind of really taking it to a, a new level. I mean, that's a big check for you. I mean, you, you were probably making, you know, I'm assuming around a couple thousand dollars a month, maybe more, maybe less from AdSense and some iTunes sales here and there. But then come Christmas 2011, 100,000 downloads. That's that's a nice little check, right? Yeah, it was, it was big. <laughs> um, well, part of... Part of the thing I said was that I wanted to give all of the money from the alternate versions to charity, and I wasn't trying to be all like high and mighty about it. it was, and I actually kind of I don't like talking about it because I don't like people that like make a big deal, but like, oh yeah, I gave all this money to charity. Like they're a dick. Just shut up. Like I, I, I don't <laughs> like it. Like, like they're rubbing it in my face how good they are. Um, so I don't really like talking about it. But the reason I'm bringing it up now is because um, it was it was more of a case of I. If I'm making, or not making, but if, if someone is choosing to buy my song 11 times, I didn't really feel like it's fair right. to 11 times from that. <laughs> from um, one song, right. Yeah, it just, it just felt a bit lazy, I suppose. So, <laughs> so I said, like, I'll earn the money. Like, you buy the actual song, then that's, you know, that's the money that I'm earning. And any of the other remixes, like, it helps me in the charts. It'll be part of this fun kind of goal that we're trying to do. But all of the money from the remixes goes to... Um, world vision it was so mm. that also was part of i think why some of my friends who did remixes they got on board because they would they were doing it because they just wanted to help the cause it wasn't like they were going to get any profit out of it either um and so we all made that you know pretty clear um so yeah so so most like over half the money that i made i didn't keep and right, obviously right. there was tax and stuff so right i mean it was still nice don't get me wrong <laughs> um yeah it was, it was a nice time to change but um yeah. So tell me, what are all the different ways that you make a profit online right now? I know YouTube, AdSense, plus iTunes, but are you making, do you get sales or commissions from like Pandora and Spotify or anything else online? Or is it pretty much those two major things? No. Um, so, okay, yeah, there's YouTube, there's music sales. Um, Spotify streams and, and things do come in, yeah. Um, Obviously, they're not that much, as has been widely documented, but it doesn't really matter to me. Um, If any of my songs are played on the radio, you make a slight amount on that. Um, I also, there's a couple of, oh, and and merch, like physical CDs and T-shirt sales and posters and things I sell online, so that that brings in um, a nice amount. And then I also have two businesses. that um, One is a card game that I co-started with my cousin that we invented together, and we just have a website for that and we sell it it's just its own thing. It's just a card game. It would be kind of like Uno, but just sillier. Um, what's it called? So, uh, Sopio. S O P I O. Is that the website? Uh, it's sopiocards.com. Sopiocards.com. Okay. It's like, we just made like a WordPress website just so we can sell the cards. Nice. So, um, yeah, so that's done. That's done kind of cool. And that's just an extra kind of little thing. And we actually don't, um, take money out of it generally we just leave it all in there and then it just pays for itself like sure. cards and things but every now and then if we get like a, a, a lot at once we'll 
split like an extra a little bonus each right and then there's at the start of this year i started this badge thing <laughs> it's kind of like boy scout badges but for adults um and it's called life scouts and the idea is like you know when, when you're growing up like up to the age of 18 you're constantly rewarded for all the knowledge that you have um and there are loads of systems in place to, to give you those rewards but then when you are past 18 there aren't really those systems in place. And I think it's because mm. when you're an adult, you don't really care so much about the knowledge people have. You care more about the experiences they've had. Like mm. if you were bad at maths, I wouldn't really care. But if you've been to the pyramids, <laughs> that would be exciting. Right. So, so I, I set up this thing called Life Scouts. And it's basically a Tumblr where every few days an, a badge image appears that will say, you know, bungee jumping badge or you've seen the Northern Lights or whatever. And if you've done that thing, then you reblog it or share it on Facebook, Twitter and, oh. and just story. And then you can also buy physical um, pin badges that you can collect as well to show the things that you've done. So that's another thing which I don't, I don't think has made any profit because <laughs> the physical pin badges are really expensive. But it's, it's again, it's, it's an idea that I liked enough that as long as it doesn't lose money, I don't really mind. I just want it to exist. And right. I'm thinking, well, that will, I mean, I'd like it to be profitable, certainly, and I'm trying to think of ways to do that. But um, yeah, right. now that's a little kind of project. That's cool. Now, what was that called? Life Scouts or My Scouts? Uh, Life Scouts. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And tell me about, so those are all the different businesses and the ways you profit online. And you're mostly, I'm, I'm assuming that you're using YouTube to promote those other businesses as well, correct? Yes. Right. Um, now, tell me, I want to know, because you're a young guy and you've kind of disrupted the music industry in your own way. What do you feel is going to happen in the next two or three years in the music world, in the music um, world of business? Well, I don't see it changing massively because I think two years, in, you know, in 2011, everyone was hoping that the music industry would have changed more than it has. So right. I'm, I'm not optimistic that the music industry will change too much um, in two years' time, but I kind of think... It, even though it won't change, it will increasingly not matter that it's not changing because mm. people will just find their own methods. So, uh, yeah, while the kind of traditional business models, I think, will stay the same, I think there will be more people, hopefully, um, like me, that are just coming out and doing their own thing and being more successful and like, you know, Macklemore, who, who right. can just do it and not worry about it. Right. Who's your favorite, um, who's, who's the person or the band that you were inspired by growing up? Oh, um, so everyone has like two or three bands that their parents always listen to that you kind of grew up with. And with, with me, it was uh, Sting and Queen were the two that my oh, mom man. To. Sting is yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. So those were, those were the two that I like grew up around. Um, but then Green Day inspired me massively when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And like I first bought a guitar around, I think, the same year American Idiot came out. Sure. And so the first, like, that was basically the reason I started learning guitar and I learned, I can probably play every song on American Idiot, like the guitar part, the drum part. Like I know that I know them all every a bit of them. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so Green Day were, were massively kind of instrumental in, in that. That's no cool. Who, yeah, right. who, uh, who inspires you right now? What are the big artists? I really liked Bruno Mars. Um, oh. when he released his first album, I thought he was like, he released amazing songs and, um, his his new one I'm not as hot on, which is kind of a shame. But uh, but yeah, I still respect him a lot as a songwriter. And um, it's it's kind of weird because it feels like you know every everyone's 
there's this culture online where everything's recommended for you and it's all about your individual niche and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I don't feel like people are making popular music anymore, by which I mean like music that is kind of mass appeal music. Um, it sort of feels like everyone has to find their niche and appeal to their, their niche. And sometimes the niche is like Gangnam Style is a very niche song. Right. But it just happened to cross over in a popular way. But it's not like a typical song that was made with mass appeal in mind, if that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like the Macarena or whatever, right? Huh? It's kind of like the Macarena. Hey, Macarena. It's like yeah. it, it, it like, crossed over. Like, yeah. Like a song, a song like Who Let the Dogs Out. Right. You know, that's an obviously popular mass appeal song. It was designed to appeal to a mass audience. And people don't really make songs like that anymore. I mean, Who Let the Dogs Out is, I guess, not the best example. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I always try and think about that. Like I, I don't really have... I don't feel like I have a particular style. I find it really hard to describe when I say to people that I'm a musician and they say, what kind of music do you do? I just want to go pop music, but that sounds so vague. Right. I'm not going to know what that means anymore. Um, so what would you consider as your style? What's your genre then? Well, yeah, I don't know. See, especially because I, you know, I don't, most, most artists when, if they're releasing or, or recording to a kind of album strategy, they'll think about, you know, what sound do we want this album to have? Mm. And that, Whereas I just record them one song at a time, so I just think about what's best for this individual song. Interesting. Um, and the style kind of changes from song to song instead of from from full length to full length. Right. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Like I just I think it's just happy, just happy pop music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that a new category, happy pop? I hope not. It shouldn't be. There should be loads of that already. <laughs> Interesting. Um, all right, final question, my man. What is yeah. what is your definition of greatness? This is uh, it's called the School of Greatness, and it's all about helping people become the best version of themselves throughout all channels of their life, sports, business. So what's your definition of greatness? Um, it's changed a lot in the last, well, year, actually, um, because I always thought the, the sort of meaning of life, sorry to get heavy, is um, to, to sort of be to be remembered, like to make your mark on the world, to do something that, that outlives you. Um, and as in hindsight, a very selfish attitude because the majority of people don't do that. Uh, and so like their lives are still valid. So that was really dickish of me. Um, but that's just how I used to feel. I used to think I wanted to, you know, I want to get songs in the charts. I want to, I want to be remembered. I want to have my songs playing in a hundred years or whatever. Um, but now I think it's more about just being, kind <laughs> which is mm. really sad but uh i mean like yeah i guess it, it's based in the same logic the idea that i originally thought you know well if i'm if i'm just gonna die and eventually like no one's gonna be here and only my like descendants will be here then the the, the most valuable thing to do is is to provide something that can be passed on like shakespeare you know his, his right. story on and that kind of thing and now i i i have that same starting point of thinking well everyone's just gonna die so it's all sort of meaningless. But then my, my conclusion now is, well, then we should just make the time we all have together as, as pleasant as possible and not try and be horrible. Um, and yeah, just be as good a person as you can and not do anything that will upset people on purpose. So that's to me what greatness is. Nice. So, so you're saying, so you're saying being kind now, but also creating something that will last longer than you're around is kind no, of, no, I, think, I think that that, like that used to be my sort of success. Used to be, gotcha. Yeah, it was like you should make something that that lasts the test of time. But and now, you, now you don't well, care. 
yeah, now it's like, you know, just be happy and, and live a good life and, and be nice to the people around you. Interesting. And the, the, the funny thing is that if you're creating stuff that makes people happy now and you're not worrying about it, you know, actually the end goal of what you're creating, your music, then uh, it's probably going to end up sticking around a long time anyways. Yeah, I hope, well, I hope so, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. Well, you got a good approach on it, man. I appreciate it. Uh, where should people find you online, Alex? Oh, hey. Um, I mean, alexdaymusic.com is, is, is my Tumblr, and it's kind of a hub. So there's links to Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube all on there. So I'll just say that one link, and then you can find your way. <laughs> but yeah, alexdaymusic.com. Or, or you know, my music's on Spotify or iTunes. Perfect. Alex Day, you're the man. I appreciate it, brother. No problem. Thanks for having me. And there you have it, greats. I hope you enjoyed this, and I want to thank Alex so much for coming on. Make sure to go check him out at alexdaymusic.com. He's got some very cool videos. Check out his merchandise, all of his awesome music. He's an inspiring dude, and uh, we're going to link up some great uh, links that he talked about here on the show notes over at schoolofgreatness.com. Just check out for the Alex Day interview, and we'll post his video from the TED Talk, which is very inspiring as well and shares more of his story. With that, guys, keep the comments coming over on iTunes. Leave us a review if you feel inspired. As my review of the week I'm going to announce is from Josh Coates who says, the podcast is awesome. Such a great podcast. So nice to hear someone young and modern with so much wisdom to offer. The interview with Grant Cardone changed my life. Overall, it's just a lot of great wisdom for life, business, and the true meaning of success. Side note, love the dubstep. So Josh Coates, thanks so much for leaving that nice comment. And there's lots of other great reviews. Feel free to leave us your thoughts over there on iTunes. And I appreciate each and every one of them and all of your feedback. Hopefully, we're making the audio sound a little bit crisper and better from now on. Got some new equipment for you guys. And I'm always going to be improving it to make it better for you. With that, I hope you enjoyed this one. And I'll see you guys next time on the School of Greatness. Remember the time when we stole the whole day? Nobody knows it. We took it away. And it will be forever mine. And it will be forever yours Now we own the night and it can't be undone We'll never forget how it feels to be young Cause it will be